Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHM-LP Ravenswood, West Virginia. I'm dropping the hammer. No, you're not. Welcome to Speed Zone, the best motorsports show on radio. I'm your host, Ben Cower, and across the next hour, we'll recap everything. Yes, everything in racing that happened in the last week. We'll discuss the latest news and cap it all off with a star-studded interview. So buckle up, rev your motor, and drop the hammer, because this is Speed Zone. And welcome, everybody, to Speed Zone on this Wednesday night here in Huntington, West Virginia. I'm Ben Cower. We got a lot on the show tonight for you. No interview again, but we got a lot of races to cover tonight. That's going to be coming up in the flag to flag segment. And then tonight, we also have a full panel again. We're only going to be talking NASCAR tonight, although it was a busy weekend in racing. Don't worry. We'll cover what happened during this week, everything that happened in those races for you. But tonight, we're only going to be talking NASCAR as our panel really knows a lot about NASCAR. So we'll keep it simple tonight, and it's going to be an all NASCAR episode. So. Strap in and uh, get ready. Here's flag to flag. Let's cover the week that was in motorsports. Welcome to Flag to Flag, a recap of the week that was in motorsports, as Ben Cower covers everything you might have missed in this past week of racing action. All right, yeah, a lot happened in this past week. We'll start off and jump right into it uh, with the Victoria's Voice Foundation 200 NASCAR. It was the Truck Series at Las Vegas. And what do you know, Kyle Busch, the winningest driver in Truck Series history, entered his first truck race of the season and just so happened to win the race. His series-leading 63rd win all-time. He led 84 of 134 laps and beat runner-up Zane Smith to the finish line by just five seconds. Ben Rhodes ran third, followed by Corey Heim and Ty Majeski. Christian Eckes, Stage 2 winner Carson Josevar, Chase Purdy, Grant Envinger, and rookie Jake Garcia. Only his... Uh, only one of his first races here in the truck series completed out the top 10. Again, Garcia's top, ton, top 10 run was just his first in his sixth National Series start. Fifth place qualifier Haley Deegan crashed out in a backstretch wreck with John Hunter Nemechek, who was filling in for Taylor Gray early on in this season, and Ross Chastain, who was in a uh, third or fourth truck for Nice Motorsports in the 41 on lap 60 to cause the sixth and final caution of the race. Now on to the Allsco Uniforms 300 again at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And although Kyle Busch is also the winningest driver in the Xfinity Series, that fact did not confirm who won the race. Instead, it was the now winningest driver this season, Austin Hill, taking the victory in Las Vegas. After playing the strategy game just right and passing Chandler Smith, speeding to the white flag after running him down from three seconds back. Again, the victory was the second of the year for Hill who won the season opener at Daytona International Speedway. The driver of the number 21 reached victory lane again for the uh, first time in Las Vegas and the fourth time in his career. Smith's car tightened up in the closing laps, allowing both Hill and Justin Allgaier to pass him on the final two circuits. An agreed flag run to the finish that lasted 103 laps. Smith took the lead from Kyle Busch, who finished fourth, on lap 102 of 200, then regained it on lap 146 after a cycle of pit stops and held it until Hill powered to the front on lap 199. Again, one lap to go. John Hunter Nemechek won the first stage but lost track position when he had to pit on lap 74 because of a loose wheel and never got back in contention for the win. Nemechek, who led 45 laps, finished sixth behind Hill, Allgaier, Smith, Bush, and Josh Berry. Speaking of Josh Berry, the Pennzoil 400 Josh Berry made his debut in the number 9 car, the Napa car, filling in for Chase Elliott. But it was Kyle Larson who looked set to win thanks to speed and strategy, but after a late caution, it was the most dominant car all day winning the race, both on the money stop and off the last restart. The number 24 of William Byron scoring his first victory of the year. In a race that featured 13 lead changes amongst eight drivers, Larson took the top spot on lap 196 after restarting third behind Denny Hamlin and Bowman on lap 190. The 2021 series champion extended his advantage to nearly five seconds over Byron during an exchange of green flag pit stops before Eric Almarola spun into the turn four wall with four laps left of a scheduled 267 and turned the race upside down. At that point, Larson held a two-second lead and appeared the almost certain winner. 
After NASCAR called the fourth and final caution, it was Martin Truex Jr. staying on the track, with Byron, Larson, and most of the other contenders pitting for two tires. Byron's crew was a fraction of a second faster on the stop, and Byron claimed a front row starting spot for the overtime to Truex's outside. On the first overtime lap, Byron surged past Truex as the cars entered turn three and pulled away to win by just six-tenths of a second over Larson and seven-tenths over teammate Alex Bowman. It was the third time Hendrick Motorsports has finished 1-2-3 in a Cup Series event, and the drivers accomplished that feat with their fourth driver, Chase Elliott, again watching from North Carolina with team owner Rick Hendrick. Elliott again broke his left tibia in a snowboarding accident in Colorado on Friday and will miss multiple races as he recovers from surgery. And Josh Berry, who substituted for Elliott, had a rough day and finished 29th, two laps down in his first race in NASCAR's next-gen car. Bubba Wallace finished fourth and Christopher Bell finished fifth, both in Toyotas. Austin Sindrick, who had been lapped at one point, recovered to run sixth as the top-finishing Ford driver. Truex, Justin Haley, Kevin Arvick, and Daniel Suarez completed the top ten. And the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. It was no surprise that Marcus Erickson came out on top in a chaotic race. Erickson has a knack for winning races that are loaded with unpredictability, and the season opener for the IndyCar Series was an absolute barn burner, kicking off with a massive accident on lap one that sent Devlin De, De Francesco flying after rookie Benjamin Peterson pile drove straight into his car's side. And that minor turn two clash was started after Felix Rosenquist and Scott Dixon uh, made some contact and triggered a big chain reaction collision that took out six cars, including Peterson and Dave Francesco and both Meyer Shank cars alongside AJ Foyt Racing's Santino Ferrucci. Andretti Autosport had a nightmare of a day as all four of its cars wrecked at various points in the race, most agonizingly with Romain Grosjean, uh, who had traded the lead for most of the day with Penske's Scott McLaughlin, who uh, wrecked on lap 74 after McLaughlin start, or attempted to block a faster Grosjean on pit exit on cold tires with both drivers ending up in the tire barriers going for the lead. That crash handed the lead to Pato O'Ward, who built a 2.8 second lead in just one lap in his McLaren and appeared to be destined for victory. But Erickson steadily chipped at O'Ward's gap, helped by saving twice as much push to pass time as O'Ward over the final stint of the race, and Erickson pulled within one half second of O'Ward on lap 97, when O'Ward's car suddenly slowed due to a mechanical problem and then regained speed but not fast enough to catch Erickson. O. Ward finished second with Scott Dixon third and Alexander Rossi fourth in his McLaren debut. And now on to the Bahrain Grand Prix, where Max Verstappen and Red Bull dominated the Bahrain Grand Prix again on Sunday, with the race very much being a strategy game. Red Bull teammate Checo Perez finished second on the podium, with 41-year-old Fernando Alonso earning his first podium in years after outdueling numerous cars on the grid to work his way to third for Aston Martin, who proved to be no joke with how much speed the team had in testing. Ferrari was fast but at a nightmare end to the day with Charles Leclerc blowing up on lap 41 with Alonso passing Carlos Sainz for the final podium position. With Sainz ending up in fourth, Lewis Hamilton wheeled his Mercedes to a P5 when Aston Martin teammate Lance Stroll in P6, George Russell teammate to Hamilton in P7, Bontas for Alfa Romeo in P8, Gasly uh, leading up for Alpine in P9, and Alexander Albon of Williams rounding out the top 10 and scoring points for the slowest team on the grid in preseason testing. American rookie Logan Sargent finished 12th, and McLaren had a nightmare day with both, with both Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri dealing with issues, with Piastri finishing last on the day in his Formula One debut. World of Outlaws will keep it short. Uh, showdown at Volusia. March 5th and 6th race one winner was Carson Macedo and race two went to none other than David Gravel. Lo lo and then on to finally the Southern Modified Tour for the Low Country 99. The winner was Matt Hirschman. Again the top five Matt Hirschman, Caleb Hetty in second, Burt Myers in third, Brandon Ward in fourth, John Jonathan Brown in fifth. And again, it was Northampton, Pennsylvania's Matt Hirschman, who's had a hot start to the season. His victory in the season opener for the Southern Modifieds was his fifth victory of the year across numerous series in Modifieds. He had a dominant year earlier at uh, five flat, or dominant, uh, I guess, dominant. It was the world, it was the world 
tour of, of asphalt down at Five Flags. That's the name of it. And he won four races there and then wins the season opener for the Southern Modifieds. And then it was a late race caution with eight laps to go in the 99-lap event that uh, led leader Caleb Hetty down pit road for what resulted in a right rear tire change for all teams. But it was Hirschman being the first car off of pit road to assume the lead. And he led the final eight laps of the race to score his seventh victory in his last nine Southern Modified Tour starts. So that was a lot. A lot just happened this week, and uh, when we come back, we'll take a quick break. I'm going to take a quick break here, regain my uh, my breath, and then when we come back, I'll let you know what's up this week because there's a lot going on in motorsports. More up next here on Speed Zone. I joined because I wanted to contribute to something bigger than myself. On my first patrol, my adrenaline was pumping. I knew it would be tough, but I was ready for the challenge. Always on high alert. After a while, it takes a toll. I was counting the days till I came home to my family. Finally, the day arrived. It was good to be home at first, but then I realized things were different. I was different. I had trouble focusing and relating to things the way I used to. Then a buddy noticed something wasn't right. He said he'd been there, that there are resources out there for veterans. I decided to reach out. I found resources that helped and connected with other veterans who had similar experiences. Once I started making connections, things began to turn around. There may still be bumps in the road, but now I know where to turn. Find resources and support at maketheconnection.net. Make the connection. And welcome back, everybody, to Speed Zone. Time for the segment, What's Up This Week? And yeah, you know, we have a lot going on this week. We'll start out with the Arkham Menard series as it returns on Friday, the 10th, as the series is going to visit Phoenix Raceway for the General Tire 150. I believe that's going to be a combination of the West Series and the East Series and Actually, not the E-Series, but it'll be the West Series and a combination of that and the National Tour. So everybody that was at Daytona, combined with everybody that's on the uh, on the West Coast wing of the Arkham Menard Series. So that'll be a big field. Probably will be a full field for Phoenix. So tune into that on Friday. The green flag is going to be at 8 p.m. Saturday is going to be a busy day. Is at 12.30 p.m. You'll have Xfinity Series qualifying, followed by Cup Series qualifying, both at Phoenix Raceway. 3 p.m. across the country on the East Coast will be the season opener for the Cars Tour as it visits Southern National Motorsports Park. And then the Xfinity Series is going to return to the track that same afternoon for its fourth race of the season at 4.30 p.m. Eastern on FS1. Then Sunday we'll have multiple races with the NASCAR Cup Series doing battle for the fourth time, well technically fifth, but fourth points race this year uh, at Phoenix Raceway. When Will uh, William Byron go back-to-back, or will Chase Briscoe win his second straight spring race at Phoenix with how his season's going so far? I don't know about that. But, hey, we'll find out on Sunday at 3.30 p.m. But, again, the Cup Series won't be the only series racing this Sunday. The Southern Modifieds are back in action for race two of its season at Caraway Speedway for the Warrior 99. And no Formula One until next weekend, and that'll be for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. No IndyCar until April with its second race of the season at Texas Motor Speedway on April 2nd. I'm sure that's going to be a real entertaining race with nothing nothing being changed to Texas. Uh, <laughs> uh, the World of Outlaws will also venture out of Florida for the first time in 2023 and visit the Grove. Yes, Williams Grove Speedway in Pennsylvania for the low-E insulation spring showdown on March 17th after Port Royal was canceled for weather reasons. Weck and IMSA are also back next weekend for this year's running of the 12 Hours of Sebring, so make sure to tune in to that next weekend. We'll take another quick break here on Speed Zone. When we come back, it's going to be the Racing Roundtable. We're going to talk about a bunch of NASCAR topics tonight. I'm sure you can think of one. Chase Elliott, that's some pretty big news from this last week. Uh, we're going to talk about that and a lot more up next here on Speed Zone. My name is Carmelita Limas, and this is my American story. I actually did three years of AmeriCorps, and during that time I was able to work for Habitat for Humanity. When I showed up on the site, there was a hole in the ground, and by the time we left, there was a house, and a woman could sweep her floor for the first time, and she just started crying, and we all hugged her, and it was just a moment that is burned in my memory. 
I encourage everybody to serve because it's just something that will bring light to your life. I don't know how else to explain it. It's a way of connecting to the world and giving back and showing love to people that you don't even know. Every one of us has a role to play in making our communities and our country stronger. Discover yours. Help us continue to make a difference in the life of our nation. Go to serve.gov and find the opportunity that works for you. This message is brought to you by the Corporation for National and Community Service. Hey, if you don't want to listen, get your earplugs ready, because we're about to hear some high-octane debate. It's time for the Racing Roundtable, with your host Ben Cower and multiple guest panelists. Whew, now that that's over, who's at the table today? And welcome to the Racing Roundtable here on Speed Zone. Back with us again is none other than Dale Garrett. And then also joining us for the first time, Caden Bonecunner. How, uh, how are you guys doing tonight? Fantastic. Whoa. Wait, Hello. hold on, hold on. Car just went by. Yeah, the car just went by. You know what? You know what that means, Dale. We got to get into our first topic. We do. That's what it means. And uh, our first topic tonight is going to be all about the nine car. That was a big story this past week. Chase Elliott breaking his tibia in a snowboarding accident uh, just before Las Vegas. Very unfortunate for the Hendrick Motorsports team. And uh, I guess my first question should be, and I know some of the drivers had differing opinions on it, but. Dale, we'll start with you because you're a driver and you also, congratulations, you received your trophy after winning the championship at Ona Thank last you. year. Um, since you're a driver, Dale, um, should drivers be allowed to go out and do these you know, extreme sports or just anything that would put them in danger on the side of, you know, because these are multi-million dollar athletes signed to multi-year contracts dealing with Fortune 500 sponsors. Should Chase Elliott or any other driver in the future be allowed to go out and do that? Or uh, should they be allowed? What's your take? Absolutely. You, you, you can't, even as a profession, this goes for anybody, you can't consume your life with your profession. Ultimately, yes, they are professional drivers, but at the end of the day, it is a job for them, albeit a fantastic job. But oh, yeah. it, is, uh, it is a job for them. If they consume their entire life with it, it's just going to lead to mental health issues. And, you know, that they have an opportunity to do so much extreme stuff like that that i think it's i think it's silly that if they if they don't or you know people's opinions about they shouldn't be allowed to do it, i think it's ridiculous i think it's silly you know i think elliot's a grown man you know what consequences come with snowboarding and i think that he just has to kind of take his actions and kind of deal with what he did i mean you're going to be out for what they said six weeks mm-hmm. and i mean Minimum. unless unless your team like specifically like has in the contract of what you can and cannot do i mean like i said he's a grown man he can make his own choices and i think that's a choice he's got to live with for the next few weeks yeah it's just a really rough situation i mean these guys are just ultimately adrenaline junkies you know no they can't i i don't i i'm in complete agreement with you guys where i i don't think you can tell them not to go like snowboard i mean what are you gonna do you could get injured doing anything you know Mm -hmm. you could be you could be dicing like vegetables for dinner and then you could cut oh, yourself. Oh, there goes a finger. <laughs> oh no, a finger. Yeah. It's just like, what are you going to do? Is Rick Hendrick going to suspend you for the next race without pay because you cut your finger off? You know, no, you're not. It, or maybe. I don't know. I don't know Rick Hendrick. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I, I agree with you guys. I think it would be really tough. I mean, that would also stop guys from running events like uh i mean presumably that would stop from running like like larson he wouldn't be able to go out and run dirt races or uh christopher bell if he wanted to uh you would see i mean stewart's no longer in the sport or at least as a driver but i feel like that would be pretty grating on someone like like tony or larson's the modern version of that so uh and then even then i mean Imagine telling uh, all the guys at Lake Norman that they can't go play around on their big, fast boats, you know, uh, during the summer, because those are pretty dangerous. I mean, uh, Rick Hendrick loves boats. So, I mean, I feel like that'll play into that a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Chase Elliott, it's just a very unfortunate situation. Um, as you said, Caden, he's a grown man. He's going to have to deal with this. And I think Rick Hendrick's making the right decision by going the opposite way of I know Joe Gibbs in the past has been fairly notorious about not letting his drivers going out and you know racing in other events or doing things on the side uh 
that's why Tony Stewart left in 08, at least a big part of it. Dale, you have something to say? Yeah. Uh, going with what you said about Joe Gibbs, I mean, we see, at least I do, see how much happier Kyle Busch is. Yeah. Who just left Joe Gibbs. Mm-hmm. And this could be attributed to Joe and him not letting not letting him do things. So, you know, with Tony leaving in 08 and Kyle seemingly much happier now, I mean, it could just be of the new opportunity, but still, mm-hmm. regardless from what I see, a lot of people almost come out looking depressed from Joe Gibbs racing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, you could hear how disappointed Christopher Bell sounded early on this season because they were asking in the press tour at the, at the Clash in L.A., um, Bell went into how, you know, Gibbs isn't letting him run anything really this year. Uh, I don't know if that play. I don't think that played into the factor as to why he didn't run the Chili Bowl. I think that was a purse issue this year. But uh, I mean, he's not allowed to go run things during the year unless he gets un- unbelievable explicit permission from Joe Gibbs Racing uh, to go out and do something, and that'll take away his ability to go run something like SRX in the summer if he was offered that. Or uh, I mean, if there's a break anywhere, I mean he could go run a dirt race anywhere i mean nope he can't do that at jgr but it's like kyle bush could go do something now because richard Childress seems to not be that way and then seems rick hendrick seems to be the opposite way too where hey a driver can go and do something on the side and have a little bit of fun and take some of the pressure off because i mean this is a long year i think it would be un it would be unrealistic to tell someone that they they essentially have to be a homebody be like nope I, if you're not in the rv you need to be racing and you just always need to be focused on this and you can't do anything else i think it'd just be a bit unrealistic um all right so i guess it's not really the next topic but i just i like the sound um <laughs> uh we'll stay on the nine car and we'll change the topic now to as we mentioned josh barry was in the nine car and they or this past weekend and then it was a little bit of a, a rigmarole this early this week about who was going to be in the nine car while Chase Elliott was out and there was also speculation as to how long Chase Elliott would be out now they've set, they put the number at six weeks which I mean I think that's just a goal at this point I, I don't know if it'll if he'll really be back in six weeks but still that's a long time without the most popular driver in the entire sport running arguably for the the most funded and I mean, he's won a championship with that team, so that's one of the best cars in the sport that's now open, and now the opportunity has been officially given to Josh Berry for five of the next six races, and then IMSA's Jordan Taylor, uh, who you know races for Wayne Taylor Racing uh, and or and Corvette too. Uh, now he's going to get the opportunity in the number nine car. After I mean, he's flirted with NASCAR for so many years. He has his was it Rodney Sandstorm? Yes. Is that his thing? Yeah. They. Uh, He's flirted with NASCAR for so long that it's like, finally, thank goodness. But uh, that's just a little bit of my take. Do you think Hendrick made the right decision putting uh, Josh Berry in the car for the next, or at least five of the next six races, and then Taylor in the car for Coda? I think you can't go wrong with either choice, um, given uh, Taylor's a massive history on road courses and sports cars. I, I mean, when, when he runs like... I'm not a sports car guy. I'll just throw it out there. But when, every time I watch the Rolex 24 and he's in the field, mm-hmm. that car is always up front. Mm-hmm. And I, I just know that he is a f- fantastic driver. It'll be interesting to see how he does at Coda. And as far for as far as Barry goes, you can't go wrong there either. Josh kept the car clean, and he's a fantastic driver down in the Xfinity Series. So uh, will he win in the car? No, it's not going to happen. He doesn't have enough experience. Um, Maybe but, at Martinsville. Is he going to be out through Martinsville? Uh, What's the next six races? I'll let you keep talking as I look that up. Um, but, yeah, ultimately, Barry is a fantastic choice to put in the nine car while Chase is gone. So Something that I really like about Barry is he doesn't have this huge last name or the biggest support crowd, but being able to fill in for Chase Elliott, I mean, that's huge, first of all. And secondly, there was a quote that he said, and it was, I know it's not the ending that we wanted, but I had fun and like I think I know that sounds like kind of cheesy and everything but I mean that's such an opportunity one man's trash is another man's treasure especially in this type of race even though it was a 29th place I mean this is a dream for him especially Mm -hmm. feeling like I said for Chase Elliott so I think that 
for Barry alone, even if he didn't place well, I mean, that's monumental for him. And I think in the next five weeks, I mean, Taylor's going to feel the exact same way filling in for someone as huge as Elliot. I mean, it's Taylor is going to have the opportunity of a lifetime at Circuit of the Americas. I mean, he, that car has won at that racetrack before. And then, yeah, the nine car won in 2020. Dale, don't give me that look. <laughs> Chase won there in 2021. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was the rain race. Oh, that's right. You remember that? Remember it. Yeah, yeah, it was the rain one. I wanted to forget about that match. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I do I think Taylor's is going to step into it and instantly compete? No, but, hey, I mean, look at what Kimi Raikkonen did stepping into a next-gen car for the first time at a Watkins Glen last year and was really running, like, top 15 in that car before the wreck happened. We'll get to Kimi Raikkonen in a little bit. There's some news there. But uh, Taylor, I think it'll be a whale of an opportunity at Circuit of the Americas, and I think he'll, by the end of that weekend, he'll be at least gunning for a top 10 finish, I think. Uh, for Josh Berry, um, and, but first, to answer your question, or to answer our mystery, um, yes, Josh Berry will be in the car for Martinsville, of which he got his first ever win in the Xfinity Series at last year. So Barry will be in the nine car with weeks and weeks of experience in said car for Martinsville. So it'll be really interesting to see how he does there. But honestly, I think Elliott might be out seven weeks. I think it'd be smarter to put him out seven instead of six, unless they try to do some some like driver switch thing. Uh, because the race after Martinsville is Talladega. Ooh, yeah. it's like he could, take, he could take another week off. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, yeah, I don't know if you would bring him back at Dega. As a Stewart fan, I remember what they did or what happened in 2016 after Tony broke his back. Because this is what this situation is kind of comparable to. It's like when Stewart broke his back in 2016 and then was out the first few months and then came back right around before the all-star race it's around the same point that they're coming back in like april may uh i don't know i i think you you what tony did or what Stuart haas did with the 14 is they tony ran like one lap in the car and then they brought it down pit road and put ty dillon in it and then technically that finish will count under points for whoever started the race it's the it's the Eric Almarola Denny Hamlin rule from like yep. Milwaukee 07, where Almarola started uh, and then uh, Hamlin finished and Hamlin won the race, and then that win got credited to Almarola. But I think they'll do that maybe for Talladega. That might be smart, but with the top 30 rule going away after last season and him getting a waiver, it doesn't really matter at this point the points. Just go out and win before the playoffs. Right. Because it'll be. I don't think Chase Elliott's going to have to point his way in. <laughs> I think he'll be okay. Yeah, he'll be he'll be just fine. Um, but I guess staying on topic, uh, again, Barry's in the car. Is there really anybody else you would have considered for the nine car? I don't think so. I mean, maybe his teammate of Justin Allgaier would have been a solid choice as well because Justin does have cup experience from, um, like, 2014 or so around that area Justin has cup experience he knows how to keep a car clean I think he would have been a solid choice as well but uh yeah Barry with an opportunity of a lifetime I mean for those that don't know Dale Jr. found the guy on iRacing and hired him on the spot Mm -hmm. beautiful story as as an iRacer myself or former iRacer I guess I still do every now and then but Mm -hmm. it's just incredible well I mean yeah Barry is a guy that is just such a wonderful story where he's Dale Jr.'s protege, you know, mm-hmm. really, where he's very similar to how his dad kind of found Steve Park, where mm-hmm. uh, he finds Barry in uh, iRacing in NR2003. I think it goes back that far. I think it does, And yeah. they he ran Barry out of his own pocket in his late models for years and years and years, and Barry just won everything under the sun. And... I just there was no money there. The, the only problem is that Barry just didn't have the money for an opportunity in you know the Xfinity series uh, and a relatively part-time or full-time role for junior motorsports and then finally got given the opportunity made the most of it and now this is his second full-time year in a, in a car and he just continues to he doesn't dominate every single event but at the same time he wins multiple times a year and easily is a championship contender and easily a candidate I think. Uh, to eventually move up into the Cup Series. Uh, I think Barry is a great choice. I would have 
Although, I mean, this past week, I think the Mike Joy was saying this on Twitter because it was his own opinion, but I know there was some legitimate traction to this in the garage. But Corey LaJoey was rumored to be being shifted over from the 7 car for the 9 car over the next couple of races because Hendrick, you could tell it kind of hesitated early on in the week because it originally had Josh Berry on the driver portal, and then it took him off. And then they left it open for like a day and a half before they eventually announced that Barry was going to be in the car. I think it would have been really interesting to see what Corey LaJoey would have done in the 9 car. And the hot rumor was that if LaJoey was in the 9, Kyle Weatherman would have gotten the 7 car. And for those that don't know, Kyle Weatherman, he races in Xfinity. Uh, he's an ARCA Series winner, but he does all the sim work for Chevrolet behind the scenes. So that's why he would have gotten that ride. What do you think about you know, Corey LaJoey, do you think he, do you think they should have put him in the car over Barry, or do you think Barry's the right choice over LaJoey? I think Barry is the right choice. Um, looking at it from a competitor standpoint, taking LaJoey out of the seven and putting him in the nine, that is a huge upgrade. You know, for the people that he runs around in points, uh, they'd probably be like, well, this guy got a shot in a championship winning car for six races. You know, how are we supposed to catch him? Um, yeah, I think that would have been strange, but I think Barry ultimately was the right decision here. I think with the one race under his belt, even though he got 29th, I mean, it's still the first race that he's ran in the nine car. So, I mean, he has like six more race, seven, six or seven more races to prove himself. So, I don't think that we can really make a conclusion just yet. I mean, that first race, that had to be so much pressure under him. That 29th probably was amazing for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a steep learning curve. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the next-gen car is so different than the Xfinity car handling-wise and everything about it, and you just get thrown into it in the matter of one weekend. Like, hey, go learn this and be good at it or else, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the fallback is, you know, this his Xfinity ride, which is not bad at all, but um, you're being given an opportunity for a guy who, I mean, just, what, three years ago basically had nothing in terms of prospects of being in the upper echelons of NASCAR. Now he's being... You know, put into the arguably one of the best cars in the sport, and now I'm sure <laughs> that I, I don't know that'll be a bit of a distraction on the Xfinity side too. I mean, how does Barry handle that on the on the Xfinity side, where now he has to worry about keeping this Cup car in one piece, and arguably probably worrying about doing something big in it or something impressive, so that he can, like I guess, verify that he can get it done in cup. I mean, how does Barry handle this? I would argue that ultimately his priority is still on Xfinity because he's going to compete for a championship there. But yes, he does want to impress. I feel like he wants to impress uh, maybe another team that could give him a shot. He's in the eight right now in Xfinity. He was in the nine for the substitution role. Maybe he's going to the 10. I don't know. Mm. But <laughs> there's no rumor, no traction to that. But anyway, <laughs> um, I just thought it was funny. But certainly his his attention should and will be on xfinity still going forward i think well that's like elliot didn't put in like a vacation notice a year ahead i mean barry has only had like a week under this title so i do think xfinity will be obviously his front runner he's been doing it for way longer than he's been the nine car driver sorry I was just adding something, because we're going to take a quick break here, and then when we come back, we're going to have more about uh, this past weekend. We're going to talk about a little bit about the race, and then uh, we do have a Kyle Larson fan on the panel. So you're going to hear you're going to hear about that when we come back. Dale, I'm sorry. We have to talk about it. We have to rip off the Band-Aid. Very upset. <laughs> All right, more coming up next here on Speed Zone. Jill, this is an awkward, confrontational accusation. Ugh! Outraged denial! Skeptical response! Distrustful outburst! Angry, irrational statement I'll regret later! Angrier statement followed by overdramatic exit! Desperate, confused, empty threat! If you suspect your children are using drugs, learn how to have a more productive conversation at drugfree.org. This message brought to you by the partnership at drugfree.org. Oh, hello. Hold on. Stop. I gotta stop the graphics from going. Uh, listen, I do all this. It's like shifting in manual, you know? I gotta I gotta run all these. We're back on Speed Zone. Sorry for the barrage of sound effects. There's a lot of cars flying by tonight. No, there's a lot of action this past week. We're back here. Dale Garrett, Caden Bonecutter. I'm Ben Cower. 
And you know what? We had the topic sound already play. So Las Vegas this past weekend in the Cup Series, uh, we just talked about it before that quick breather. Dale, you're the Kyle Larson fan here on the panel. Uh, what happened? What happened? Luck. Zero. <laughs> um, you know, Byron ultimately dominated the race. I think he led something crazy like 170-some laps or whatever. But, yeah, Larson was in position to win it, and the yellow flag came out for Almirola spitting and hitting the turn three wall and then keeping it straight. But there, I saw some controversy on Twitter and other social media platforms about how they maybe threw the caution too early. I, I don't agree with that. Uh, Almirola was at a 90-degree angle to the field, and there was a big cloud of smoke when they threw it. So ultimately, I think just Almirola just lost talent again, as per usual, mm. and cost Larson a race. That's a hot take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Caden, you got any thoughts? I think that it is Larson definitely had a deja vu moment, having that restart come out. You know that he was thinking that the exact same ha- – exact thing. oh, my gosh, the exact same – thing happened last year at Vegas so you know whenever his teammate was in second he was in first and the restart started you know that was definitely a deja vu moment for him but it's one thing to have a restart at the same race that you lost to last year but to have your teammate beat you at the end I mean that's just bad luck not even a coincidence at that point that's just bad luck in Vegas Mm. you remember that last year too Dale Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh yeah you know Byron had a great car. Uh, he he led the most laps, not by a ton, but he led the most laps in the race, to be fair. And the Hendrick cars finished one, two, three, so they were all fast. Um, it's another heartbreaker for Larson. But, hey, you know what? He got his there in 2021. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, the last two have not really gone. <laughs> Dale's giving me a death stare from the other room now. Um... But yeah, uh, I'll tread on, on, on I'll tread lightly on this one. Uh, William Byron had a good car, but it was his pit crew that won him the race. I don't think it was William Byron that won the race. It was his pit crew, and then uh, by unbelievable luck, James Small had the hail mary of all time and put Truex out there on four tires that had been scorched. And it was actually crazy because Truex actually held on for the first of the two laps off the restart, but. Um, it was a perfect a perfect storm for Byron where he barely beats Larson off a of pit road after just an unlucky caution at the end of the race because Almirola got behind Cody Ware, who had been running the same lane all race. So it's not like Almirola didn't know where Cody Ware was going to run in turns three and four and then, as Dale said, kind of ran out of town a little bit but uh, <laughs> and then looped it around the wall. But again, Byron's pit crew got him the win put him out in front of Larson just by a hair and then was just whatever line he could have taken the inside or the outside on that last restart and the 24 would have ended up winning the race because he had a roadblock essentially to his inside or outside wherever Truex was he was going or wherever Truex wasn't Byron was going to be and then he was just going to pull he was just going to scoot away because nobody was going to get past Truex that quickly um but yeah Byron got a little lucky he was uh I wouldn't say it was a gamble in Vegas, but you know, and oh. he didn't roll the dice either. I'm trying to think of a like a you know a funny a Vegas, Vegas pond. Yeah. <laughs> all, all bias aside, he deserved to win the race. I'm not upset. That's a lie. That's well, your fitting. It stings a little bit. <laughs> Dale is lying, and you know what? Today is the Dale episode. Dale, it's three eight. Yes, it is my namesake episode. It is the namesake episode for Dale. March eight three eight. No, no, no. Earnhardt ever ran at twenty-three, but you know what? That's okay. Three-eight. Um, all right. Anything else on Vegas you guys want to touch on? Anything else? Surprises? Anything? All right. We'll head to the next topic. All right. So, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, Kimi Raikkonen news came out today. Uh, Raikkonen actually announced it before the team did. Uh, I'm sure track, and then he deleted his Instagram post about it. So I'm sure Trackhouse was like, "No, no, no! Wait, wait, wait!" Uh, but Kimi Raikkonen going to be back in a Cup car for Circuit of the Americas. So not only are we getting Jordan Taylor, but we're getting Kimi Raikkonen back in a car, and he'll be in the 91 for Trackhouse for their for its Team 91 or. Uh, Project. Project 91. Um, 
Like, what do you guys think about that? You think uh, Kimmy's going to have a shot at the win now that he's already got a race under his belt, albeit abbreviated after kind of after wrecking at Watkins Glen, but with Circuit of the Americas being a track he has run at before in Formula One and won at and won at. You know, do you think Kimmy has a legitimate shot at the win in that race in a car that, or with a team that won that race last year with Ross Chastain, who isn't necessarily known as a road course racer? Think Kimmy's got a shot at the win? I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think for sure he should have top 10 speed, no doubt about it. But for a shot at the win, I I just don't know. Project 91 is still relatively new. They pretty Yeah, they only ran that one race with with Kimmy last year so mm-hmm. um, I don't know the similarities between F1 and an X-Gen car I have no idea nobody asked me <laughs> no similarities at all okay okay um, <laughs> but uh, they're fast in their cars yes um, for, for sure it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he does I'm a huge track house fan but I do agree with Dale that I don't think that he's going to win I don't think that that is something to look forward to but I am definitely counting on him placing pretty high, pretty decent. I think if Kimmy can keep the car clean, which with how Kimmy races, it's a very you know, hands on the wheel, not afraid of contact. But these next-gen cars can take a beating. So uh, I think Kimmy's going <laughs> to probably end up making some contact with somebody. But if he can keep the car relatively clean without really making a big mistake... I mean, Watkins Glen was a completely different beast than probably anything he's ever driven before, and he was top 15 after getting one practice session, two laps in qualifying, and then half a race. And he was running in the top 15 with the you know the best in the Cup Series. So I think, Kimmy, the benefit is going to be that it's a track that he's already driven on before. Um, I think Kimmy will be up there. I think, I think Kimmy will honestly do better than Taylor does in the 9, considering the the little bit of edge you'll have with it with regards to experience and then just a little bit of more chemistry with the team than he's running with um the 91 car is going to run more races this year so this is the first of of many i i know i think shane van gisbergen's going to be in the car he's from v8 supercars uh but they're going to have a multitude of drivers in there at some point this year but kimmy's going to kick it off this was pretty unexpected but i think kimmy will be up there do i think he's going to go for the win if the circumstances are right, if it rains, <laughs> I think Kimmy's going to have a big advantage. Uh, but if it doesn't rain, I think Kimmy will at least be up there in the top 15 again. That, that's my expectation, but um, I hope Kimmy has fun again. I want him to stick around in NASCAR. Kimmy's a fun personality, even though he doesn't say much. <laughs> He's the Iceman for a reason. He's just kind of silent. Mm-hmm. He's finished, so he doesn't really know how to speak a lot of English, but He's funny. He yeah. would say that. Don't give me that look, Dale, when I say that. <laughs> I, he would. The uh, No, I mean, when I said, never mind. The uh, But I think Kimmy, Kimmy will have fun and uh, if he doesn't crash again. But even if he does crash again, he had fun at Watkins Glen. So, all right, on to the next topic. The Hendrick 17 car. It's back, whether you love it or you hate it. Um, it's back in Xfinity this year as Hendrick Motorsports is going to run a part-time Xfinity car with its four cup drivers and some of the road course races this year and other select oval races. Um, Dale, Kyle Larson is going to be one of the drivers in that car. You think this is another... What do you think this is? Do you think Hendrick's experimenting with something in this car? Do you think it's just going out for trophies and wins? Going out for trophies and wins. Why not? I mean... You, if you can afford it, and you have, you know, the class of drivers that their Cup team has, why not? Why not do it? Uh, I think Larson will be in the car for Darlington as their only oval race. Uh, I'm not sure about the other three, but um, it'll be it'll be fun to watch it this year again. Caden, you got any input? I think that Hendrix Motorsports has been in the news so much lately. I think they want to keep up, that, keep up that momentum, and they're just going to do anything they can to get up there in the first. Yeah, I, I uh, just looking at, so here's the schedule for that car. It'll be William Byron at Coda in March. Uh, Kyle Larson's going to run Sonoma, because the Xfinity Series is at Sonoma this year. That's 
forgot about that. Yeah, I know. I think I forgot about that, too. That's crazy. Um, and then Kyle Larson. So Kyle Larson's going to be in the car at Sonoma. Uh, Watkins Glen will be Alex Bowman. And then Kyle Larson will be back in the car for Darlington. So it's only four races. But going out for wins, as you said, Dale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, last year, it was, it was very interesting to see when the car ran, because it was Larson who ran it at uh, Road America last year. And it looked like they were testing something with the brakes on that car. Because they're building these cars, fun fact. The chassis that Hendrick is are using to build these cars are from the old Gen 6 cars. They're mm-hmm. just rebuilding them into the Xfinity cars. And I, I, I don't know if it was a coincidence or not, but they Hend- Hendrick has always used that same brand of brakes that uh, the next-gen cars are now universally using. And Hendrick, the 17-car the Road America last year could break deeper into the corners than anybody else. And Kyle Larson really isn't much of a road... You you being a Larson fan, is Larson really much of a road course racer outside of, like, qualifying? I think if you look at his success while at Hendrick in the road course races, yes, I do. Not with the Ganassi tenure, no. Yeah. But with the Hendrick tenure, yeah, he's had success. Fair he, he won at Watkins Glen in, I can't remember if it was the 17 or the 88 in Xfinity last year, but... Um, and he's won in Cup at uh, Sonoma and Watkins Glen also. So I don't think it's a fluke. That's true. I, I think, I don't know, I think they're going for, I think this time around the 17 car is going for wins. I think last year it was almost kind of pseudo-testing something out. And, again, that Road America thing where it was testing out the brakes happened right around when the whole Larson deal happened at, at Indy, mm-hmm. where that was a big mystery of a situation. But I don't know. I think this time around, it's taking, it's adopting the colleague racing strategy of just go get a trophy. Trophy hunting. Trophy hunting. Um, I, don't, I just I don't really expect much from like Bowman at Watkins Glen, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Don't discount Bowman. Yeah, he might win. He might. He might. Maybe. Depends on if he's doing good or not. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll go on to another topic. Again. Um, too early to call. This is what we're going to call this segment. Too early to call because it's we're only a couple races into the season, but that's the fun of it. Um, surprises so far this season, good or bad? You know, what's what's surprising you, good or bad? Again, it's too early on in the season, but again, four races in, what's catching your eye a bit? Um, for the good side, obviously, your top five in points right now are Ross Chastain, Alex Bowman, Kevin Harvick, Daniel Suarez, and Martin Truex Jr. I think if you look at those five, certainly Bowman stands out to me being second. Again, we're only three races in, three points races in, but uh, he's he's certainly shown speed. Uh, Harvick being third, while the rest of SHR is not doing good, I think is something also to point out. And, uh, yeah, Trackhouse is on a roll, being first and fourth in points right now. Um, yeah. And Corey LaJoy in 18th still. That's, that's, that's good for the Spire group. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was 13th before this last weekend. Aww. So he's still top 20, yeah. though. But, they, like, this far into the season, that's, that, that is notable. Mm-hmm. As far as the negative side, we get down here in the points. Noah Gregson in the 42. He's a Cup Series rookie. I don't want to pull out judgment just yet. But I I would be a liar if I didn't say that I had better expectations for him, especially at Daytona, because mm-hmm. we didn't see the beef Chevrolet up front really at all. <laughs> Where's the beef? Where was it? Yeah, it was in the back somewhere. It was in somewhere in the back. Frozen. <laughs> Frozen in 26th place. Yes. Um, <laughs> that being said, you also have who I've – who looked really good at Daytona in the Clash? Ryan Priest is 31st in points right now. I mm. think I think he also needs time to adapt. But as far as teams pushing the panic button right now, that probably needs to be the Briscoe camp. That is, I think it needs to be like three fourths of Stuart Haas racing. Yeah, Briscoe's finishes have been 35th, 20th, and 28th respectively. He has been nowhere to be found. It's just. I don't exactly know what's going on over there, but they need to figure something out, or it's going to be like a horrendous season. That, yeah, that car was just so unbelievably off at Auto Club. Yes. For a guy who 
ran really well there in Xfinity and how good Stuart Haas has been there in the past. It was just so, I mean, compared to its teammates. I mean, Harvick ran top 10 all day, mm-hmm. then against Kevin Harvick. But Briscoe was running slower than J.J. Yaley in the Rick Ware car. I'll just let that statement sink in. <laughs> Whether that's setup or driver or... Just a bad car. Just you know, bad car, slow, something broken. I don't know, but it was bad all day and it ran the full race it didn't you know crap out didn't blow a motor didn't come down pit road for 20 laps you know it was just slow all day and then corrected the 500 and then was arguably just as bad at las vegas what the heck's going on there (laughs) there always has to be somebody struggling i guess it's his turn Mm -hmm. well i mean i mean really it's i mean you look at uh you you have again harvick's third in points and then Almirola's 21st. I mean, that's right around where Almirola probably would be, usually. Um, I, f- I find it funny he actually jumped four spots in the points after wrecking at Las Vegas. Um, but, yeah, the 41 and the 14, woof. That's both cars outside the top 30, even though it's not really a thing anymore. But uh, Throw the 45 into that conversation. Yeah, Tyler Reddick, too. Miserable season so far, starting his, his out at 23 luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's just had no luck getting caught up in a wreck at Daytona and Auto Club. Caden, mm-hmm. you got anything? Biggest surprise? Um, my good surprise is Wallace so far this season. I mean, at Vegas, he finished in fourth just under Bowen, Bowman. And he's currently in 16th right now for points with 69 points. And I just think that I'm just looking forward to the season with him. I think that he really is just going to go up from here. And then my bad surprise is Diggins this season. I was just expecting so much more. And I think we're really, really falling flat right now. Who is that again? Say that again. Diggins. Oh, who's that? Deegan? Deegan, yeah. Oh, Deegan. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> you were saying Deegan's. With an, with an with S. S. Yeah, gotcha. I was like, I was like, wait, 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 hold on. Oh yeah, you Haley. Really had me like second guessing everything for a second. I was like, what? <laughs> oh yeah, no, Haley's had a woo, uh, uh, great opportunity at Thor Sport, but yeah, thirty first in points. Yeah. I mean, I was just expecting so much more, and I know mm-hmm. a lot of people started out really big fans of her, and then just woo downhill. Mm-hmm. I mean, Haley. I mean. She had a fast truck at Vegas. It just, she just, I mean, she started, what, in the top five, top ten, and then fell back and wrecked out. Then again, she was running, to be fair, when I say that she wrecked out, she was running back with Ross Chastain. So she's running with the guy who is leading the point mm-hmm. standings, but then again, he's in a nice truck. So, mm. you know, but just really... I would say I would agree. It's it's a disappointing start to the season for Deegan so far, and easily her best shot ever in anything mm-hmm. in NASCAR outside of uh, like what she had that one Xfinity race last year, and it was for quote unquote SS Greenlight, but yeah. it was it was in a Stuart Haas car basically, mm-hmm. and she ran like 13 at, at Vegas. So, um, but I mean, other than that, it's just been a miserable start to the season. Um, yeah, just. Anything else just sticking out to you guys? No? Yes, no, maybe so. Tyler Reddick, you want to talk about him for a little bit? It's just he's had no luck, man. No luck. No luck. Tyler Reddick this past week, he jumped. He finally jumped above. Oh, you know who else we could talk about? Actually, you know what? Let's make it a question. Mm-hmm. Let's make it a question. <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde so far has been Spire Motorsports this year. The seven on a completely different planet than the 77 car. Poor Ty Dillon is 37th in points, still behind J.J. Yaley, B.J. McLeod, and Travis Pastrana. And tied with Jimmy Johnson. He's tied with he's tied with Jimmy Johnson. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, very, very good. The highest of highs and the lowest of lows so far for Spire this season, where it's been able to have so much speed with the 7, but... At the ultimate sacrifice of the 77 car, what's going on there? I mean, is is it a 
What's wrong with the 77? We'll make that the question. Or, or what's the disparity? What's going on at Spire? I don't know if they're dumping all their resources into the 7 or what, but looking at Ty Dillon's recent cup career, he's driven for lower-budgeted teams. I think that that has an effect. I would, I've been seeing opinions on social media, and I've got to form this one as well, that, that his confidence is gone. He wanted to pave his own path. He didn't want to drive for Grandpappy like Austin did and currently still is doing. Yes. Um, but he wanted to pave his own way, and looks like this is the price that he may have to pay for doing that. And arguably, he might need to go like do the Cole Custer route. Go back to Go Xfinity? back, yeah, the John Hunter route, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Go back to a car that can win some races. I mean, I, I don't remember the 77 really doing much last year either. Yeah. So, it was, I mean, Kane, you got anything? No? I just think that whenever you choose to kind of do your own thing and kind of stray away from all your great resources, I think that you really have to start from the bottom up. And, man, he's really starting right now. So, (laughs) I think that he has quite a bit to climb. And I I really don't know if this is the best decision either. I mean, because, yeah, you can race for fun, but you also kind of want to race to win. So, I don't really know... I mean, I get why he chose to do what he's doing. Um, I get, like, the independence point of mm-hmm. view from it. But at the same time, all this money that you're spending into it, I think that using your resources to your advantage would greatly help, obviously. Yeah, I mean, he gets to stay in the Cup Series, and he's staying relevant for another year. But then again, at, at the cost of running with a, a car that is as, it's broken on him in three straight races. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that is a chartered team. That I mean, if you ask me before the season, I don't really know the I don't know exactly the charter standings right now. But the bottom three essentially get a strike every single year against it, and the 15 car for Rick Ware is on two strikes if he gets another one this year and finishes in the bottom three again, and the charter gets revoked at the end of the season. And if you ask me before the season started, is the 77 going to be even in this in that equation? I would have been like, no, not with Ty driving it. I, I think Ty. Had, he had his ups and downs at, well, formerly Petty GMS last year in the 42 car, but I think Ty's a, he's a capable driver, but it's, I, th- I think it's more the car. I don't think it's on Ty as much. I think it's just the car. I think the situation, I think Spire is putting all of its, all of its effort into the 7, and it's not putting really anything into the 77, and it's just kind of sending the 77 out there just to get money. Plus, they've expanded with the truck operation recently. Mm-hmm. And, and now the Xfinity car yes. with uh, Carson Hosevar. Carson Hosevar. Um, I guess if we're talking about Spire, we'll stay on this topic, uh, but about Hosevar and that new Xfinity ride, partnership with G- uh, Junior Motorsports. Uh, I believe it'll be six races, yes. I think, for Hosevar. Six. What do you guys think? You know, is Josevar going to nail it in that ride, or is he going to is he going to go out and compete for wins, or is it just more of a learning experience to get him up to gear for something? Learning experience. He's not going to go out there and compete for wins. Um, ultimately, his looking at his truck series career, uh, he has choked some wins away for sure. But I think that he is right on the verge, and has been for arguably the past year, been on the verge of breaking through and finally getting that victory. Um, by putting him in this Xfinity ride, I think that. It's going to be a learning curve, and I, I have expectations probably for him to be top 20 on a good day, top 15, on a really, really good day, top 10. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I don't really see much out of it, um, more just to gain experience for himself and maybe to build a future Xfinity Spire operation going forward. I, uh, I don't know. I, Carson's such a great story, and he's such a good young talent. It's going to be really exciting to see what he can do and effectively a junior motorsports car where, uh, again, it's Spire that's running it, um, so it'll be to varying levels of success, I think. But uh, Hosevar, I think they're grooming him for a potential junior motorsports ride, whether if it's not this year, next year, or at least something. Because mm-hmm. he's got that deal with Trackhouse, too, where he's under their umbrella and now he's in Junior's wheelhouse, too, and also with Spire. So it's just the whole conglomeration of people that are just wanting a piece of the Carson Hosevar pie. And I think he's going to deliver. I, I don't know if he's going to win in 77, but I think he'll rack up some top tens. That'll be the best thing, I think, possible for him. Uh, and then so we're, we'll have about you know a minute, two more here, but 
I wanted to get this one final topic in because I think it's a little fun thing. Uh, I know we've we've earlier on this season we literally had a segment where we dissed on the 19 car in Xfinity, but Joe Graf Jr. Respect to him, he's top 10 in the points after three races in the Xfinity series. And, hey, you know what? He's not doing half bad, would you say? Dale, what's your take? Not half bad, but not not, not good. <laughs> not that great. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, again, it might be too early to tell. I don't know. Everybody just – it it we, we, we dog him all the time just because of who he is and yeah. what he's done. A lot of crashes, a lot of underperforming. Yeah. He's DNQ'd RCR and colleague cars before off pace. Yeah, I don't know if there was some kind of kick in the off season or something, you know. Mm-hmm. But not too bad. I think it's still a little early, so I'm going to withhold judgment so mm-hmm. far. Um, Top 10 at Daytona, 11th at California, 15th at Vegas. Not horrible. And not horrible, but I mean it's a J- <laughs> it's a JGR car for for Vegas and um, Auto Club. So mm-hmm. I mean, eh, I mean it being his first start in the car, you know, I don't expect him to go out and run top five for sure. But um, I've, I think there was a little bit of meat left on the bone for Vegas mm-hmm. personally. But uh, only time will tell. Mm. You think Joe Graf Jr. wins this year, Dale? No. No? <laughs> that was an instant answer. That was an instant no. No. You don't think he might win it, you know, like Talladega or something? No. No? Mm-mm. No. Not enough experience at the front of the field. He's going to end up like Sam Mayer. What about a, down. a junior winning it at Talladega, but Joe Graff Jr.? No. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the next generation of juniors winning at Talladega, Joe Graff Jr. Will not happen. The fans would go crazy, Dale. <laughs> they might throw the beer cans on the track again. <laughs> Yeah, okay. We'll close it up with that. Yeah, Joe Graff Jr., he's had an interesting start so far to the season. Uh, There we go. The bed's rolling now. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Dale, Caden, thank you for being on the show tonight. It was a pleasure having you uh, both on the show. It was great getting to talk some NASCAR. Really, only NASCAR so far are on this episode, but it was really fun. Uh, Again, next week, uh, it'll be spring break, so check our Twitter Speed Zone Radio Speed Zone on Twitter. Check if we're going to have an episode next week. I'm Ben Cower. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network.